0: This is a podcast from Minute Media. In the fall, each year we all congregate, the found all gathered at the church of The scriptures read from the book of favorite birth, my God, of Drunk and obnoxious with well, Georgia Faith. Ain't nothing fine, in the Now the 3,000 of our best friends.
1: It's Saturday, and Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, and I am joined today by a special guest, former Diamond Dog himself, Georgia pitcher Cole Wilcox. Cole, what's up, brother?
0: Shoot, not too much, man. Just hanging out, enjoying the uh, Stafford Super Bowl win.
1: Yeah, tell you what, you're the dog for sure, ain't it? Yeah, yep. Started off hot for us yeah man i was i was excited for him i he by all accounts seems like a good dude you can kind of tell the way his former teammates always talk about him i feel like that's a good gauge for stuff like that he seemed real well liked so well you got to see him start it all off in tampa
0: yeah yeah that was uh that was a fun game we kind of got last minute tickets decided to go and glad we did because it was a lot of fun
1: yeah that's awesome well hey uh Got you on here today because we want to do a little Georgia baseball preview season kicking off on Friday at Foley. The Great Danes of Albany coming to the Classic City um, to kick things off. I guess first things first, let me start with you just because there are going to be some guys on this roster that that you know and played with. So you've got kind of more intimate knowledge than certainly we could have. But, but based on how this roster is currently constructed and where things sit, I guess, what are your high-level expectations for their 2022 season? Uh, I
0: mean, honestly, I think they could be as good as they want to be. They're they're going to be one of the older teams in the country, and that's – in college, that's a big deal. And, you know, you see that in college basketball a lot where the older teams go on the runs in the tournament. And uh, we saw it with Georgia last year. You know, he had a lot of guys coming back on the defense, uh, winning natty. So. It's a big deal to have that kind of experience and that kind of that kind of older leadership and I think they're primed for for a good run.
1: Yeah, I mean I I think the nice thing is you got an established Friday starter in Jonathan Cannon, which is yeah. always great. You kind of got a horse you can build the weekend off of. And then they got a they got a ton of bats coming back, man. I think they got something yeah. like 85% of their at bats from last year's team coming yeah. back, which is fantastic. And they added some transfers, two pitchers and a position player. So I mean, they're bol- bolstering that way. What, who do you expect to to be their horses on Saturday and Sunday for for weekend series?
0: Yeah, like you said, obviously having Cannon on Friday is a big deal, and the SEC especially. You got to have some guy. With, you got to have a guy number one who is, like you said, a horse. Like is able to go. You don't want to burn the bullpen on a Friday. And yeah, Cannon's a guy who, even if he's struggling, like he can get you through five or six, which is a big deal. Um, and then obviously the best Friday night starters are guys who can do that along with guys who have the stuff too. And, you know, he's got really good stuff. He's got big league stuff and we've had a, we've had a pretty good run of Friday night starters uh, at Georgia. So been fortunate on that part. Um, And then on Saturday, um, I expect Liam Sullivan to be the Saturday guy. Um, Another guy who can give you good innings. He's going to fill up the zone with good stuff. I think he's going to take a big step to his sophomore year. So it should be a good guy on Saturday. And then on Sunday, it's a guy who who Coach Strickland's really going to like. He loves to have – he loves to kind of have that bulldog on Sunday. Uh, when I was there, it was Tony Losey, a guy who, like I said, if he's struggling, and he, like, even to a higher extent, like if Tony was struggling, he was still <laughs> going to get his five or six every time, usually seven. And he loves – and Coach Strickland loves having a guy like that on Sunday. And so I think the Juco transfer, Dylan Ross is going to be that guy. Um, from the people I've been talking, too he's he's done really well he's been up to 96 97 in the last couple outings throwing a really good splitter so he's I think he's primed to take that role
1: yeah and all those guys are going to be throwing for the most part to Corey Collins who is expected to have a big year this year Um, some projections variable based on where he could go in the draft you know also got the Tate brothers coming back I mean just I feel like I'll I think that's the big piece with this, right? Like the pitching is set up well from the weekend starters. And then it yeah. seems to me like based on how the lineup's going to be constructed, that they're going to have the ability to put some runs up and take some pressure off the pitchers and not have so many high leverage innings. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. you've pitched, what's the difference between pitching when you're up five versus pitching tied or one run margin from just a leverage and high pressure situation.
0: Yeah. A lot different uh definitely is it's def i mean even like more so not even in the game but like on your body like high pressure innings takes a toll on your body a lot and you know that's why that's why a lot of pitching coaches don't even gauge you know how many innings you threw last year because every inning is not created equally so like you said having guys back that that you know can put up runs you know the tates can put up runs you know josh McAllister can put up runs you know Corey cheney ben anderson all those guys can score they can hit so it's going to be like you said. It's going to be a, a a good tool having those guys be able to put up some runs, and and then obviously you have the pitching to back it up. Like it's it's a well put together roster for sure.
1: Who do you think is a position player that's primed to break out? Maybe somebody the average fan doesn't know about or isn't tuned into, but you think it is primed and ready to kind of have a big twenty twenty two.
0: Um, I think it's a good question, but. It's, it's tough, like <clears throat> saying the average fan don't know because, like you said, eighty five percent of the lineup returned. Like yeah, it's, that's it's true. Like almost the same lineup, but no, I think there's a lot of freshmen who, you know, freshman and sophomore is such a big jump. Like it's huge. Yep. Like that, yep. that's a big time growing stage. So I could see guys like like Fernando Gonzalez, Parks Harbor, really take steps. Like obviously Corey was really good last year and probably their best hitter all year. And then I, I could see him even taking a step. So I would I would say the guys that are in the lineup who are going to be there every day, the Fernando, Corey, Parks, I think those guys can take big steps just at a maturity, like, you know, at bats, putting together good at bats, not just having, you know, one 0 for four game and then one three for four, you know, consistently getting that at least, you know, one for four, two for four, stuff like that. It's 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 a big jump. I mean, going from high school to the SEC. So most of the time you see those freshmen get better towards the end of the year and then even for me, like the same path for me, I got better towards the end of my freshman year and then took a jump my sophomore
1: year. So I, I'd expect them to do that. Don't you think, too, I mean, it, it was definitely this way for me. When you come in, there's certainly an adjustment just from, I think, a level of competition perspective because you're yeah. going from playing against guys that are maybe a couple horses on each high school team to the whole team is is those horses, right? Yeah. But I think the bigger one is, is just, especially as a hitter, is adjusting to the explosiveness of the stuff from the yeah. guys that you're facing. I mean, and not just one-pitch guys who are then getting by with something off speed, but you got an explosive first pitch, and then you got something explosive from a breaking perspective that makes it even more difficult. Because I feel like as a high school hitter, you're really gearing up on the fastball, right? Yeah. And, like, if you have to, you can make do on on some breaking stuff late in account, count, but you're just making do on, on hitting dead red down the middle or something yeah. straight, you can't really do that in college to a certain degree. I think that's what, that's what you see with freshmen, too. Like, beginning of the year, they'll start hot. And then the conference or whoever mm-hmm. maybe makes an adjustment to them, and they start seeing a lot of soft stuff and off-speed stuff, and there's a little bit of a jump there. And, I, you know, the naming up is interesting. I, I think Parks Harbor's one to watch. Because yeah. I thought he showed some really explosive flashes last year. And if he can stay consistent and kind of make a big push from freshman to sophomore year, I think that's a big one, too. Cole, where'd you play between freshman and sophomore year summer league?
0: I played, I went to the Cape for two weeks. I made two starts there. And then I went straight from there to the team USA tryouts in North Carolina. So, and then once I made the team, we played Cuba for a five game series in North Carolina. And then we played Taiwan and Japan in those countries.
1: So, So, speaking of that jump from freshman to sophomore year, how big was that summer for you in continuing to develop your game and then make a leap into your sophomore campaign?
0: Yeah, it was big, and it wasn't necessarily like – it wasn't the situation I was in that made it so big. Like, it wasn't like going to the Cape made me such a better ball player. Going to USA made me such a better ball player. It was more the fact that I could pitch and I could work on my routine throughout the week – without worrying about, you know, like this is a must win game, you know, like, like you're not really trying to make a lot of changes in year during the season, because number one, if if you're pitching well, like you don't want to be changing stuff, but, but I was able to really focus in on my routine. Um, I was able to really kind of go through my own personalized stuff because while, while college is, is, you know, you're kind of treated like professionals to an extent you're also like the coaches, there are coaching for their jobs. And Coach Kenny's one of the best pitching coaches in the country, but you still have to do stuff his way, you know, when it comes to preparation and routine and stuff. And, um, I was able to, you know, kind of experiment with some things that summer that I probably wouldn't have been able to during the season, which, which helped me out a lot.
1: Yeah. I always felt like two summer was kind of a refresh period too, because the the season's a grind, you know, you yeah. go through fall season, you're doing lifts and doing fall practice, and then you come in the spring and, you know, 50-plus game schedule, man, is nothing to sneeze at, especially while you're going to school and yeah. traveling and all those things. So, I mean, it, it's it's a grind for sure. K- kind of speaking of that, what type of advantage and what type of boost is it for the guys to to play at a place like Foley with the atmosphere that's there?
0: Oh, it's great. It's like anywhere. Like once we started winning, the environment just got better. And it was, I think, my my freshman year, we sold out every home SEC series and in the following year, we were definitely going to, and that was, it was fun. I mean, it, it made, obviously it gave us an advantage and it made, it made coming to the park a lot of fun and you kind of you feed off that momentum, you feed off the energy and it just, it makes, it makes it special, you know, it makes it really feel like college baseball, which is probably my favorite part of the whole experience that I had.
1: Yeah. So I think I saw that they're sold out again for this year with their season ticket allotment, which is fantastic. Not, not surprising. I feel like there's a lot of excitement around it. Do you have a gut feeling or even some inside Intel, if you want to share that there is going to be some focus from the athletic department on, I guess, the growth and the continued evolution of the baseball program from a resource perspective, whether that be updates and renovations to Foley or, you know, adding things to the experience when you yeah. go to a weekend series, all those type things. Yeah.
0: I mean, I know for a fact that there, that there is, uh, I had a good conversation with Josh Brooks last off season while I was there. Um, I was throwing one day and he, he happened to come to the field and talked to him for a while. And, and he's, you know, he's the real deal. He's going to do a good job there. And there's not really a choice. Like that's the thing. If there's it's either upgrade or get passed in the SEC. Yeah. And like, I love Foley field. It's, the playing surface itself, the trees in the outfield and all that, it's, I love it. But when you're talking about, you know, experience for the fans with, you know, combination of like indoor facilities, it's bottom tier of the SEC right now. Um, yeah. We have two indoor cages in the back that are pretty run down. And then you go somewhere like Arkansas, they have their full indoor complex just for baseball. Uh, fill inside. Like it's ridiculous what's happening around the league. And you go to Mississippi state and we are just blown away by what they had. So there's definitely going to be some renovations coming and they got some good minds for it. Josh Brooks is, is, is the man, another guy that a lot of people probably don't know is Magdy. He runs, he kind of runs the baseball in in terms of uh, management and he's a really good mind. He's from USC. And then even, even coach Kenny has a lot of good ideas that, that I think, when he explained it to me, are awesome. So, if they can put those together, which I know for a fact that I think that's going to be start the ball starting to roll this coming off season,
1: hopefully. Uh, but yeah, this it's definitely going to look different here in a few years. To that point, don't you think it's good too uh, for there to be this case study, active case study of what's been going on with football? You know, they've built the facilities, yeah. and then the arms have come with that, and then the results now show it's the same in baseball because, look, let's be honest, okay? If I could go to Athens and play baseball at Georgia or I can go to LSU, level of competition and my ability to advance myself to the next stage in my career, apples to apples in a lot of ways, right? So what are the things that are going to differentiate? And if I'm an elite prospect, make me choose one over the other, it's going to be how elite I think the experience will be for me from a development yeah. perspective. And facilities is part of that. I feel like especially with all the – technology and things like that that are involved in the game now to utilize yeah. all that figure out the analytics you know like do y'all have stuff where if you're pitching underneath or doing um, side session bull bullpens where you're getting metrics on spin rate and all those type things yeah each week or all that yes yeah.
0: uh, coach kenny is big into that and that's something he brought with him that's really changed the program in my opinion um and he and it, every time i go back there's more um he's got tvs hanging up in the bullpen he's got you know, two or three people that work specifically on data um, and get it. So that's, that's, that was a big difference. um, I think from the previous pitching coach to when coach Kenny came in is, and that's where the game's going. And and as a pitcher, it's, it's a big deal to have those numbers because you know what you do well, like you might think you do something well and like numbers aren't going to lie to you. You know, if, if it sucks, it sucks. But speaking to your first point though, you're right. Like, the facilities are not what are pulling people to Georgia. Like you know, like growing up in Georgia, and if you're a Georgia fan, like that's you take a lot of pride in that. And that's that's why Georgia's getting the guys they're getting right now is on the school alone and the fandom alone. There's not anything there that's really pulling them. Like obviously we're good now. And that took guys like Emerson wanting to go. It took guys like like Tony Lose who wanted to go. And who had other options, and they grew up Georgia fans, diehard Georgia fans, wanted to go to Georgia. And you get, you can go down the road to Georgia Tech, and they have a, a big-time indoor pitching facility lab, super nice. And then, like I said, you go around the SEC, and, and there's stuff – every time you go, there's something new being built. So if you – I just think once Georgia does put the resources in to making those facilities top-notch, the ball's really, really going to get rolling. Like you you can then recruit on – like you're not – nobody's going to leave Georgia if they have those type of facilities and their winning game.
1: Yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up because this is my kind of like working thesis, right, is that given the, the in-state talent in the state of Georgia out of high school and high school baseball and travel baseball in that state, l- literally, if you just kept kids in-state you're top of the heap SEC every year, right? Yeah. And I think you bring up a great point. I think the reason that there are guys going outside those borders is because facility-wise, it's better. But, man, I agree with you. I think that's the trajectory for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Just from – I don't have any inside information. It's just based off things you can kind of pick up from different press conferences they've had and all these type things. It seems to be the next checkbox that they're going to really hit. And, man, I'm fired up about it. Let me ask you this because I'm interested about this just from a – Fan perspective. I'm a big believer in culture. I think yeah. some of the cool stuff that they've done culturally with the football program, whether it be the red lights or lighting yeah. up Stan- Sanford at the end of the fo- or end of the third quarter, starting the game with the lone trumpet, all those type things. Right. So, yeah. so my premise is culturally. Why do those things just have to be football things? Why can't they be University of Georgia things that we then translate into our other sports? So let's use baseball as the example. Yeah. Why not Why not during the seventh inning stretch, can we light up fully? Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, that'd be sick. Th- That's th- things that are right.
1: cross sport.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. Like, do you, fan experiences is up to the fans. You know, like you, you can put in things that, that obviously make the experience better, but ultimately, like, like you're telling me, if Georgia's football team played at Harrison High School, the fans would come make that place rowdy, right? Like it's not Correct. because Harrison High School is, you know, has all these nice things. It's the fan experience is what you make it. Like you look around all the best fan bases in the world, like it doesn't matter what stadium they're playing in. So yeah, like I think I think Georgia fans could make baseball like an insane environment. And like, I understand there needs to be some more seating put in. There needs to be, I have some, some ideas myself that can make it even better, but like the greenhouse has been popping lately, like big time. Yes, Like it's, yes, it could be, a, it could be a lot of fun and, you know, you pull in the greenhouse, make it a part of the stands. Like just just things that provide energy, you know, and the yep. fans bring that and they can make it, like you said, like doing, doing cool traditions and culture stuff like that is, is going to make that experience even better.
1: Yeah, man, I'd love to see the Spikes get involved with it too, like the student groups, and have them come out. and. They started coming. Yeah.
0: On on weekend
1: series, especially on Saturdays, they'd be there. Because I thought they made a really big difference this year at Sanford because their group was so coordinated and they were so consistent and were essentially like the spearhead for that group. I mean, paint line too. I thought they both did a great job. But, man, I would love to see all that transitioned in too. And, And they got a group going to the basketball now which is awesome. Yeah. And um, I'd love to see it with baseball and Hey dude, get some helmets, spike them up. Yeah. You know, like the whole deal. Right. Yeah. I so just, I, I, I think one of all the coolest
0: that- things when I was there, when we had the 19 inning game against Clemson and the kids came from downtown that saw it on TV, they came downtown and that experience was awesome. Like that. I mean, they, they were going nuts and then coach Strickland invited bottom to come to practice doing BP game, a spiked helmet. Like, like that's the kind of stuff that's going to make, make that environment even better. But I will say this, and this is like you can ask anybody that's attended a game in Foley. I'm sure you've dealt with it. Um, I mean, I almost got asked to move from my seats last year when I went. Like there has to the security has gotten to lighten up a little bit. Yeah. They and they need to go attend a game in Mississippi State or to attend a game at Ole Miss and see what kind of impact the fans are having. Because they they're sticklers right now and I know they're just doing their job and like I understand that. But don't get mad at hecklers. You know, don't yeah. get mad at people who are trying to provide energy. Like, that's the, – the fans or the players like that. Like, we we feed off that energy, and it's fun. Like, that's part of the – even when you get on the road, it's fun to talk to hecklers, deal with hecklers. They're usually good people good baseball fans. They're just having fun, and we all respect that. So, definitely got a lighten up in that area. I've seen multiple times somebody call the cops on the greenhouse, stuff like that. Just got to chill on that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And to that point, almost by necessity, they're gonna have to do it now because they announced, yeah, I don't know, over the weekend or Friday that they're gonna do uh, alcohol sales at fully. It is. I I think that's good because I I think part of the the buffer on it is going to a nine and in ball game, if you're just a casual observer, is seems like an errand, I feel like, to some people. So if you can enhance that experience for the common fan to bring folks out and kind of make them, oh man, this experience is cool. Like we should do this. Like we should bring the kids here every Saturday or whatever. I think that's a good idea. Just because it's going to increase that. Plus they're doing it everywhere else. So, yeah. man, to you know so your vibe point of, is, yeah, I do. I want to hear all of them. you played okay. there, so I want to hear. them.
0: Okay, here's here is it be my perfect scenario. Move move the scoreboard to left field. Is number one. Yep. Extend, put seats in right field, extend it all the way up to the fence where the greenhouse is. Yep. Make, make that a first come first serve like student section type area where mm-hmm. even if like now they sell alcohol, so it's different. Used to, I would say, let them have a wristband. If they're, you know, show ID, here's a wristband, they can go buy alcohol and make it cheaper. Like don't, if you make it expensive, college students can't buy that. Yeah. Make, make it cheaper out there. First come first serve for the students. And that, if you had, you know, if you could put 2,500 people out there and extend it all the way up to the greenhouse where then people can still be at the greenhouse too. And then let them bring in their own alcohol at Mississippi State or food, whatever. At Mississippi State, you could bring a cooler in full of anything. And like they're, that's part of the experience. It's, it's a baseball game. So out there, let them bring in what they want. It's outside the gates. Like it's not in the stadium. And then another thing that would be cool would be Extend the bleachers all the way over the bullpen, almost making the bullpen like inside, so you could have like a yeah. lap. And then extend, extend box seats all the way because those are going to be sold every game. You know, somebody's going to rent those out. A company will rent those out, let their workers go. Extend boxes all above from from where it cuts off now, which is like probably midway down the foul line in right field. Yep, all the way to the foul line. Cover the bullpen with seats. And then there's also room if if you want to extend it even more to go through all the way to left field.
1: Yeah, man. I think too, if if I was a kid coming there on a recruiting visit and the facility looked like that, looked like what you just described, you'd go, man, it's gotta be cool here on a Friday night or on a Sunday afternoon or I, yeah.
0: You have to give students a reason to come like, and, and once you build that environment, like that's a fun thing to do in the spring, there's not much happening. Like that would be, that would be, like people embrace the greenhouse. Like I sat up there for a couple games this past year and it was fun and it was, it was packed out and people were loving it. So if you could bring that experience and just pull it, you know, right down below there where everybody's standing, just extend it down to the bottom of those rocks like that. That turns into like a top notch fan environment quickly.
1: All right. I'm going to, I'm going to add an idea for you. This was not so much about fan experience, but directed fundraising for baseball. I saw this done at a couple places and I thought it was a cool idea. So, what does everybody do for like the fundraising event or the get together event? They do a golf tournament, right? Yeah. And I love a golf tournament, but why don't we put a baseball twist on that and do home run derby foursomes? So, me and three buddies are the foursome. We pay whatever the entrance fee is that yeah. the baseball team sets. And then you have a morning at Foley where you're getting to rip it, right? That like, yeah, would
0: we'll be fun, yeah. And like make cool. an event out of it, and
1: yeah. you know, call it call it whatever you want, um, but make it a once a year thing. Maybe do it in the fall, the same yeah. weekend as you know, the I red don't know, and you could do. It. Yeah, black. that's that, that's kind of what I was saying was red and black, or if they wanted it, you know, whatever weekend worked best for them, or they felt like your school was best. But man, I just think it'd be a cool idea and something that makes it culturally relevant to the sport where the money's going to go, right? Yeah, like that'd be cool i saw that a couple of places I was like man that would be a cool cool thing that'd be fun um all right so what games on the schedule this year are you most looking forward to what do they got like 10 games that are gonna be on tv i think everything's on sec network plus but i think they got 10 games or something like that between sec network acc network and a couple other uh yeah. viewing options a couple on espn too
0: yeah um yeah, there's obviously a lot of good SEC series. Um, they get to go to LSU. That's going to be a lot of fun. I never got to go there. I think that's be one I look, I'm looking forward to. Uh, then you get to go to South Carolina, too, which was like my favorite place to go. Not so much for the environment, but the stadium itself was insane. Uh, like it, was, the new, it was awesome. New,
1: new stadium is ridiculous. It's it like a minor, awesome. minor league yeah. stadium. Like
0: a very, very nice minor – like top-notch minor league stadium. Yeah. It was – that was a really cool place to play. It felt like a professional baseball field. And they yeah, got Clemson like, midweek. Yeah, Clemson's always fun on a midweek. Um, trying to see if they have any other good midweeks. I don't think they have them all listed on here yet. But, I'm
1: trying to look, uh, too. I, I think that's the best one is the Clemson one.
0: Yeah, I mean, Coach Strickland's always said, you don't have to schedule big-time midweek games when you're playing, what, 30 SEC games.
1: Like 100%. 100% get enough
0: work in there. It's yeah. hard enough. It's hard enough to win there. You don't want to stack midweeks that are just as taxing.
1: So I saw they're doing something cool in March, March 6th. And then March 8th, they're playing uh, Georgia tech March 6th at cool Ray field in Lawrenceville, which I think that's okay. cool. Yeah. And then the eighth they're playing Georgia Southern at SRP park in Augusta. So yeah. I think that's a cool opportunity for like folks who maybe can't make it to Athens or whatever it may be, go see them somewhere else, different, yeah. different venue. I think that's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. like oh, He's always cool. Yeah. So I think that's cool. And then what SC tournament at the Hoover met best. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best. It's one of the most fun places I've ever pitched at for sure. So let me ask you this, just from your personal expectation perspective is your, do you think it's highest ceiling that they go to a regional or do you think that should be the expectation this year?
0: It would be a disappointment if they didn't.
1: Yeah. That's
0: – it's it's a failure of a season if they did not. Like, I'm not I'm not afraid to say that. I think everybody in that building would agree with me. Uh, there's, there's just too much talent, too much depth. That's the thing. You have too much depth. Guys who, I mean, just trying to go through the lineup right now. I mean, your infield is going to be Josh McAllister at third, Cole Tate short, Corey in the Florida transfer at second, yep. and Parks Harbor at first. Those are all guys who've played in the SEC for a long time. Parks yep. being the youngest, and he had a full season. Then you got Fernando and Corey alternating catching, and then you have three guys in the outfit who've been there but since before I was there, or at least been in college baseball since before I was there. Connor Tate, Cheney, and Ben Anderson. So you got you got proven guys who can win, good leaders, uh, and then obviously the pitching depth is insane. Uh, you got like I already listed three starters, you'll have Jaden Woods, who's a preseason All-American coming out of the bullpen. Jack Gallon will be the closer. I was actually just texting him. He's trying to convince me he's starting on Tuesdays, but he'll be out of the bullpen. Um, (laughs) Nolan Crisp out of the bullpen. Uh, Then you got Will Pearson, Colin Caldwell, all these guys who have so much experience, like, I don't even know if there's going to be many freshmen play just because of the experience that the other guys have, and which, which is nice. Like, you can redshirt some of those guys who are going to be dudes. I know there will be some pitchers who will get some innings for sure, but position player-wise, I think you can just redshirt your best guys and, and roll with the dudes you have.
1: Well, I, the consensus seems to be that they should have a good year. I mean, they were in the top 15 vicinity in every single preseason poll. And I think to your point, it's that lineup is stacked. I mean, yeah. you got a guys that have had a ton of at bats, seen a ton of pitches in SEC play, that are going to be primed and ready to rock. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, they got the they got the capability to be pretty formidable Friday, Saturday, Sunday starters if the things fall right.
0: The difference in this year and last year is they had depth last year, but it was unproven depth. Yeah, even you, you got to think, even Jonathan Cannon, he played four weekends the year before. He was a freshman last year. Like, yeah. listen, the sophomore. He was a freshman. He he didn't play one SEC game. Um, then you're going to get guys back this year that that have you know top instantly have top five stuff on the team. And Garrett Brown and Will Childers, those two guys will be back off TJ, and the, their stuff is nasty. And they got like even the guys like Will Pearson, Colin Caldwell, Jaden Woods, Liam, like they were all freshmen last year throwing big big innings. That's yeah. tough to do, and. Yeah. This year, there's just going to be a major different comfort level. A lot of those games you saw them lose last year, where they were up, you know, because they were they were better than the other team. They were up, 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 and then kind of lost it towards the end. Those are going to be wins this year, and that's what's going to separate them.
1: All right, I want to ask you more of an off-color question. Yeah, give me give me some of your favorite uh, rain delay or game delay games or activities when y'all when you were in college. <laughs> Hey, we just went back and played some ping pong. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Man, y'all y'all are high flute and had a ping pong table. We had to get like real creative. Okay. So we had a couple guys who were really funny and they would take um, paper solo cups. Yeah. And they would act like they were playing tennis against each other in the dugout. Yeah. So they would flick the cup and go back and forth. And like, brother, they would get so into it, like diving all <laughs> over the dugout. I mean, it was insane. We keep like yeah, imaginary just, score. Uh, yeah, so it's was different
0: long. it's different on the road, but at home, yeah, we, I mean, we just went and hung in the locker room. But the, yeah, we got after it on that ping pong table. Like that was that was like a big deal in our we played doubles ping pong every single day, like winter stays. And it was was your partner? Time. It just depended on the day. I mean there, we yeah. didn't have a set partners. It was just you know, whoever was in there at the time or whoever just got out of class, it's like you want next? Yeah, let's do it. So it was fun.
1: My brother just got this machine that he sets up at one end of his ping pong table yeah, and it, it feeds him like a freaking jugs machine. That's sick.
0: That's I haven't played ping pong in a
1: while. I'm, I'm itching for it. That's how he was. He's like, I just can't stand anymore. I miss playing it so much. So I just got this thing. He said, I'm getting pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Now
0: so. I will say that my sophomore year during the the Omaha challenge when we picked teams and yeah. there was three events going on. We had fungo golf, ping pong, and spike ball. So we had to pick two representatives, to play each. And so I was on Emerson was my captain. Believe it or not, Emerson won the fungo golf competition. <laughs> he, he won it. And then me and Trevor Tinder were the doubles partners in ping pong. And we won the whole thing. We beat Josh McAllister. Who's probably, I pray he doesn't listen to this, but he's probably the best player in the locker room and Logan Moody. Who was also up there. And that's, that was the championship. And it was, it was high level ping pong. Like I wish somebody had a video of it.
1: And ping pong is like, I feel like one of those things, especially if you're an athlete where it's one of those things you can get real competitive about because there's enough hand to oh, eye about it where it's, it's I, get, I get
0: multiple memories on Snapchat of like people arguing that just like be chilling <laughs> on the couch and, and taking videos of that. You know, they're arguing whether it hit the table or not. But there's, a, there's quite a few of us who got pretty freaking good. Like yeah. I, I always felt like I was pretty good at ping pong going in. But I mean, I was pretty good by the time I left there. And there's a lot of guys we played every day who we got really good. So it was some yeah, high man. level games.
1: That was, that was what we used to go. When I was a kid, that's what you went to the pool for. Like our pool had a ping pong table. Yeah. And we weren't going to swim. We were going cause you were going to get games on the table mm, all day long. Fun. Yeah. It was awesome. All right. So tell everybody what you got going on. What's the, what's the game plan for this season? What's, where are you at in the TJ rehab process and and what's what's the arc look like
0: so this is my third week throwing i think yeah third um at 60 feet it's just a kind of gradual thing i don't want to don't want to got nothing but time at this point so taking it easy Uh, not trying to push myself too hard hopefully i'm off the mound i haven't seen the full schedule yet just kind of taking it day to time and i think i'm off the mound in july so be nice to get some innings at least at the complex. You know, best case scenario, I go, I go to a, an affiliate and throw some innings at the end of the year. I don't know. I don't know what will happen there, but definitely get some innings in before the year. And then I don't know what will happen once the year's over, whether they'll shut me down or want me to pitch some more. I don't know. But yeah, I'm shooting for like hopefully August fully back.
1: Well, I'm gonna have I'm fingers crossed to get an affiliate, a couple innings nice. at the affiliate, and they shoot you up here to the Holy City so I can come out that and see be, you.
0: That would be nice.
1: Yeah. Um, sure. Well, that's good, man. And like you told me off air, you're throwing no pain. So that's the important yeah. thing. Yeah. Feels
0: yeah. weird though with no pain. It really yeah.
1: does. That's great, man. Well, that's good to hear, man. I, I think I told you last time we talked, my, my brother had TJ and he felt like new person after it was done. I mean, yeah. he was throwing babies. So he caught, so it's different, but you're still, it's a lot of volume, you know? Yeah. So a lot of pitches. Uh, I You know, I saw something, I don't know when it was, maybe it was Tom House that said it. Tom House is advocating that they start uh charting throws for catchers. Like for young catchers because of the yeah. arm stress. It makes like sense. Bang, bang, bang every day.
0: Which the, the 100% that a hundred percent that catchers like there's three or four catchers in rehab with me right now with TJ. Like it's mm-hmm. it's definitely the second. Like pitchers, obviously, the most common, but catchers they're making just as many throws as the pitcher, literally. Just not like not obviously not to the extent, but in, in terms of volume, they're still throwing as many, if not more, than the pitchers.
1: Yeah, I feel like too. It's it's an interesting dynamic because obviously you're throwing back, or if if you know it's a on schedule throw. But in yeah. a lot of ways, throwing a second, throwing a third, or back picking first, those are off schedule throws to a certain degree. Yeah, so you're kind of violent, explosive throwing motion out of the blue. Whereas, uh-huh. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're in the outfield or in the infield, you kind of gear up for it. Here we go. I'm gonna get the mind right.
0: I'll say this shortstop and second base make so many throws during practice. Yeah. That's so true. So many between cutting balls off and even when like you're going for double double cut practice, it just they make so many throws, turn double plays. I've always said that like that's a lot of throws being made up the middle.
1: My uh my position coach freshman year, he was uh he played at Wake and he this is kind of you kind of mindset he was. He was the Wake Forest all-time leader in hit-by-pitches, like <laughs> just absolute grinder, like yeah. dirt ball to the max, and tough <laughs> tough as nails. So he's like, y'all are catchers. You have to be the toughest people on the field. So everything that we do is going to be hard. So, dude, if we weren't hitting, we're full gear all the time. Mm-hmm. Like – How is it, Georgia? Practice, Trick- warm-up throws, the catcher, full yeah. gear.
0: Yeah. So he worked yeah. directly with the catchers there. They have the toughest practices when I bet. without a doubt.
1: We did a drill with him where he'd go full gear. And you know the tennis ball machines that they shoot out mm-hmm. if you're like trying to practice? Yeah. He'd set one up at like 20 feet and fire it and you had to barehand catch to like Oof. soft hands. Oh dude, it was it was insane. I mean, I loved it, but it was yeah. insane. We had <laughs> we had Coach Strickland on um, oh man, it must have been 2020. It was it was it was during the COVID year, kind of shortly after everything got canceled, and he came on and told us some stories. and He was great, man. He seems like an awesome guy. Like, told us stories about his playing days and catching and playing against Michael Jordan when he was in the minors and all that yeah. stuff. So, man, it was cool. So, well, it's always good to see you, brother. Thank you for coming on and kind of giving us your insight on things. Um, your rehab schedule going to allow you to get back and see him play at all, or are you you in Florida for the duration now?
0: uh i would say not i would say i'm in florida for the majority we'll see i mean maybe i get go home for a weekend or something hopefully i can catch a
1: game but oh i would say before, no. le- before we let you go you gotta tell us about the podcast
0: oh yeah um called diamonds in the rough uh meet another Rays prospect we started last year towards the end of the year i mean we've only been going a couple months now but we just have one guest and just kind of you know, shoot the bull. Talk about some baseball. Talk about some behind the scenes stuff that goes on. Some funny stories. Uh, we've had a lot of, a lot of big time guests on. Adam Lainwright being the biggest. Uh, we have. We actually have Kyle Peterson coming on on Wednesday. So, a lot of guys who just we try not to be real professional. We try to just you know talk it up, share some funny stories, and and have a good time. It's been it's been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it's good. I love what you guys are doing. Uh, I love the pickles. I actually texted my buddies about the murder versus assassination. I had my brain in a pretzel for like that half was a that. good one.
0: That was a good <laughs> that one. That was a good he one. had happened to come up with very many good ones for the past couple of weeks. I think that one that one was good.
1: Yeah. I, I liked that one. That was a real good one. Also, dude, the Wainrod interview was great. He was great. He was awesome. He was yeah. awesome. You know,
0: he he only had 30 minutes. I wish we could have got I mean, I could have talked to him forever, but he was he was the man.
1: I did not realize until y'all did the interview what a huge dogs fan he was because mm-hmm. I was doing oh, yeah. some reading on him after that. And I was like, I had, I had no idea. That's actually when, when I got the idea <laughs> to send
0: him a DM was after the Matty saw him tweet some stuff. And yeah, I remember I, I, remember I had his number and I was like, Hey, it's a good time to reach out to some dogs. Like
1: yeah. <laughs> everybody's Heck, feeling yeah.
0: good. So
1: yeah, um, it was, it was cool interview. That's awesome, man. Well, um, tell everybody where they can follow you guys on Instagram, on Twitter. And do uh, you guys have a website for the pod too. Yeah. I, mean, I know where, I know y'all yeah. on Apple and everything, but.
0: DNRpodcast.net is the website. We just kind of post some blogs and, and all of our podcasts are on there too, like the links and stuff, but we have a YouTube page, just diamonds in the rough. which so we post the video versions of the podcast. And then uh, the podcasts are on Apple and Spotify too. So you can pretty okay. much listen to them anywhere. And then on Twitter, you can just go through my bio, I have it linked in my bio on both.
1: So, All right, well, we'll have it in our show notes. We'll put your stuff, but then we'll also put awesome. diamonds in the rough stuff too, just so you guys go listen. That's awesome appreciate um, it. and funny, and the content y'all are doing is funny too. The bingo thing was A+. Plus, so That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that was good stuff. All right, buddy. Well, it's always good to see you, man. Yeah, we'll, uh, appreciate we'll you having you up, me. We'll, we'll hit you up soon kind of when SEC starts, and we'll talk yeah. some more, kind of see where they're at. Yeah, let's do it. All right, brother. Go dogs. All right, go dogs. Hey, George is better now.